Hello and welcome to The Wanderer, the podcast that talks about Anglo-Saxon poetry and Anglo-Saxon heathenism. Thank you for joining us. Byzantium. The Empire retained Vikings and Anglo-Saxon in the Emperor's personal bodyguard. Their height became proverbial. It was said they were all ten feet tall, and this expression was later used to identify great men. When dealing with the mythology and cult activities of the heathens, we have many of the same problems we have when studying the history of the runes. In many ways, the problems are worse. We have only a small part of the whole body of myths. Many important images appear only once, and many deities are still almost wholly unknown. For example, we know almost nothing of Ul or Ulur, the archer and sky god. Not only is the mythos incomplete, it is late, with most manuscripts dated about AD 1000. However, by cross-referencing traditions, myths and the runes themselves, we can piece the picture together, however slowly. It is now certain that the traditions recorded by Snorri Sturluson and others was a consistent tradition that covered the area of Northern Europe, Britain, the North Sea Islands, Scandinavia and Iceland. The tradition lasted from at least the Bronze Age to between the 12th and 17th centuries AD. That is, the symbols we find carved in rock are the same that appear in the myths, and they are clearly joined by unbroken tradition. With that in mind, we can begin to say with some confidence what happened in the Germanic cultus and what the esoteric meaning of their myths really was. Woden gained his powers of the runes by hanging from Yggdrasil. This was his shamanistic initiation and it is quite significant that myth has shifted the event from an ordinary tree to the world tree. Occultically, the death can be paralleled to the myths of Jesus, Attis and Dionysus among others. One of the Eddas gives the event as follows. I hung from a windswept tree, hung there for nine days and nights. I was gashed, pierced with a spear. I was an offering made to Odin offered myself to myself, on that tree which no man knows or where its roots will run. No one gave me bread, no one gave me drink from a horn. I peered down into the world, down into the depth I peered and snatched up the runes. Screaming I took them, then I fell back. Then I began to thrive, then my wisdom grew as I prospered and was fruitful. One word led to another, one word led me to many words and one deed gained me many deeds. The first step in understanding rune law is the understanding of the concept rune. A rune is not merely a letter in an old Germanic alphabet, but, but rather it bears the primary definition of secret or mysterium. This basic meaning may be easily compared to the use of the term arcana in connection with the tarot. Therefore, a rune is primarily a secret, holy concept or idea that must be expressed or dealt with in concealment. Runes should be understood first in the sense of a secret and holy concept. The word rune is indigenous to the Germanic group of languages and it is found in all the ancient Germanic dialects. The modern German cognate is Raunen. To whisper, rune is also found in Old Celtic languages where it appears in Old Irish as rune and in the Middle Welsh as Rin, both with the meaning of Mysterium. 
it is probable that the Celts borrowed the semantic quality of this word from the Germanic language, rune, developed from the Proto-Indo-European root, ru, to raw. Later, this meaning was applied to each hieroglyphic figure that represented a rune, a unit of secret law. It is this form that is inscribed as a symbol for a formless and timeless idea. According to most scholars, the runes were ancient symbols used in writing, mainly on stone or metal. These symbols bore religious or magical significance for the people who inscribed them. This cannot be denied by the most dreary of scholars. For the rune Vitki, however, the signs take on a much richer and more expanded meaning that reveals their true nature and power as well as their historical and cosmic significance. The Vitki sees hieroglyphs of a highly complex nature in the forms of the runes. Investigation and research into intellectual and magical realms has revealed the runes as ideographs expressing a process and flow of force and energy. Although many runic practices and much rune law continued in a myriad of forms long after the coming of Christianity, the systemic transmission of the sacred rune law belonging to the ancient Vidkar and Irlos slowly disappeared. By the 19th century, only scattered pockets of rune singers remained in the remotest areas of Scandinavia. However, the runic mysteries are truly something indigenous to the innermost selves of many members of the Germanic tribes. And this inner rune law could never be eliminated totally. It only retreated into the innermost shelters of the human soul, waiting to be reborn just as the gods and men retreat into abodes in the recesses of Yggdrasil, in order to survive the destructive powers released at Ragnarok. So too did the runes hide themselves in the patterns of consciousness, awaiting the time when they might be reborn into a hospitable world that would again know their law, as we read in the Edic Voluspa, stanza 59, concerning the renewed world after Ragnarok. Again the Azar meet on Ida Plain and speak of the mighty Midgar serpent, and again remember the mighty world doom and Fimbultir's elder runes. Through a combination of the runes and the Vitki's personal will and ability, all things are possible. But in order to gain this power, the Vitki must develop the skills basic to all ritual work. Concentration, visualisation, breath and posture control, and the art of incantation. Many of these skills may be developed haphazardly over the course of practical work. The failures incurred by this method often discourage aspiring vidka. The best course of action is one in which some time is devoted to exercises designed to develop the basic skills necessary to the successful performance of runegulder. It has been noticed by several investigators that the runic power is often slow to develop in people. This may be due to the centuries of widespread neglect, but that when the force manifests itself in the Vitki's life, it is all-pervasive in its potency, unshakable in its strength and overpowering in the stimulation it produces. This may indeed be due to its innate or indigenous nature. A Vitki of patience and perseverance will be well rewarded. Colour Symbolism The symbology of colour in the runic system is somewhat different from that of the Judeo-Christian culture. Although the ancient Germanic traditions, among many others, have influenced the Christian colour symbology to a certain extent. The source of this colour system is to be found in the Eddas and in the saga literature in the practice of runecraft. This colour law is 
valuable as material in formulating powerful visualizations and ritual intensification, as well as in the construction of more complex talismans. Graphic symbolism. Many rune stones and rune tines also bear pictographic representations of holy concepts that aid in the formulation and direction of magical power. These are of two kinds. One, pictographs, graphic representations of naturally occurring objects. Two, ideographs, the holy signs or galdrastifia of rune magic. These signs and symbols work in conjunction with the runic forces or they are embodiments of the force expressed by the rest of the formula. They are valuable as talismanic symbols and also as objects of meditation and material for magical visualisation. Anglo-Saxon runes are an extended version of the Elder Fulthug, consisting of between 26 and 33 letters. It is thought that they were used to write Old English or Anglo-Saxon and Old Frisian from about the 5th century AD. They were used in England until the 10th or 11th centuries, though after the 9th century they were mainly used in manuscripts and were of interest to antiquarians, and their use ceased after the Norman conquest in 1066. One theory is that this script was developed in Frisia and then adopted in England. Another is that it was brought to England by the Vikings and then modified and later ended up in Frisia. From the 7th century, the Latin alphabet began to replace these runes, although some runes continued to appear in Latin texts, representing whole words, and the Latin alphabet was extended with the runic letters Porn and Win. The Anglo-Saxon Futhark includes seven additional runes in their system, over and above the Elder Futhark, but I don't know if they've ever been used in divination, and there are some who advise against it because the energies behind a few of these runes can be immense. Nonetheless, for those who would like to incorporate the Anglo-Saxon runes into their divination, here they are. Ear, pronounced the way it's spelled. Ear represents a ring, a brooch, a torque, a caress or a helmet, or any kind of body adornment or armour that can be decorated with jewels or engraved or imprinted with glyphs, sigils, runes or or scenes intended to invoke victory. Like Ur, it deals with summoning up the courage, willpower and strength to do one's duty. But this rune speaks to the need of gird oneself properly for battle, to make sure you have the proper equipment to deal with the challenge ahead of you. Eor, pronounced Eor. This rune is nowhere near as adorable. This rune represents Jormungard, a huge and terrible sea serpent who lived at the bottom of the ocean and was the Norse god, Thor's implacable enemy. Even the giants in Norse mythology were afraid of this monster and steered clear of him. This rune represents powers and forces which are better left undisturbed. Ir, pronounced the way it's spelled. Ir represents the ocean, particularly its destructive aspect. It is cold, merciless and unrelenting, a force which is better cooperated with than opposed. By extension, Ear represents fires, floods, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions and all other acts of God, those catastrophic natural events which are more important than any individual involved. Quiorp. This rune adds on to the power of its cousin Tyr. This rune is concerned with not only conquering, but holding on to and maintaining one's conquest once it is made. This rune represents ruling both oneself and others. Calc. 
This rune is concerned with material well-being and the material conditions you most want to have in your life, as there can be more than one material condition you may consider desirable. This rune may be calling on you to determine which material condition you feel the great desire to attain. Stan. This rune represents stone. European shamans of old saw stone as an effective way of imprisoning unpleasant or aggressive enemies for a long period of time. Thus this rune was used in magical rune scripts as a way of blocking negative thoughts and actions from the gods and humans. Gar, pronounced with a hard G, this rune represents a spear, like the Norse father god Odin's spear Gungnir. The energy of this rune is such that it is sent forth, finds its mark, delivers its payload, then returns to its sender. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Wanderer, the podcast that talks about Anglo-Saxon poetry and Anglo-Saxon heathenry. If you enjoyed this episode, please tune in for the next one. Thank you.